When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on D&D&D. Can you give me my bone back so I can continue my eternal rest? Wait, but you said you love to fight. Yeah. It's been a long time. So what if we... What if you come with us, you can fight? <laughs> I have like a new kind of thing going. Like it's a new like aesthetic and kind of vi- general vibe. And <laughs> the idea of having a ghost that is bound to my stuff is very appealing. Marjorie and Juno sloppily embraced in a kiss of some kind. A man walks into the bar while this is happening. He's in a uniform, but not a black and white uniform like uh, the soldiers that you guys had seen before. This is a gray uniform. Do you mind if I cut in? Absolutely. Oh. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Hello. No, no, not heaven. I challenge you to a duel, sir. attack roll this isn't going to be a disadvantage a guy who's holding a sword to your chest what's your range there is that strength roll no it's an attack roll but roll twice and take the worst seven he just steps back and you fall to the ground off the stool because you weren't also weren't standing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you swing he just he just steps back you swing wide and uh you fall off the stool he points his sword at you and he says one more chance sir withdraw your challenge Juno tries to knock him off his feet by grabbing his shoe, his foot. Okay, roll a strength roll. Eight. Nope. Uh, Again, he steps back, and now he steps on your foot, and he says, once again, sir, I give you a chance to withdraw your challenge. Juno! Dude, it was... He's still holding Marjorie, by the way. This has not phased him much at all. It's okay. It's... He's tall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I know. Yeah, I know he's tall. I mean, I see it too. You can I trust them. I, you can trust them where they're tall. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> hotness is not to... <laughs> trustworthiness, and tallness is often not hotness. But you know, it's hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> fine, sir. Thinking about the mission. Thinking about not thinking not about margin. Thinking about the mission. Yes, withdraw. No, I withdraw the challenge to your honor. Very well, I accept. And he sheathes his sword and he helps you up. Thank you. Look, you you took a journey. A while ago. Oh, you're sold both our heads now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you took a journey with Plintherin Belamore, and you went from Raven's Crest to Hawk's Ridge to Eagle's Roost, and I'm, ju- I'm just saying uh, we need to know what you know, and I think it has something to do with your blade, Eagle Strike. Jerome. Oh, oh, oh! I read oh, the journals, and oh. I think the horniness is activating my memory. I'm usually not good the at the puzzles. Or the drunkenness, I don't know, the both. Oh, yeah, per- Percival, we were looking for you! I think, were we? 
He He's got something to do with this. <laughs> the man who identified himself as Percival Stokeworth looks very confused at all of this, but there's vague recognition on his face. He says, this, this is all uh, a lot for just a couple of minutes. I was just coming in here on an unrelated matter. Ride along. Ride along. Well, let's, uh, you, you two seem, seem to... To have had a couple already, and I well, think... Well, we can handle ourselves, so if you want to take us we on a ride-along, we can, we can enforce. Are you guys talking about, like, a ride-along, like, with a cop? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, we can bend your ear, you can show us the town, we can fight some people. We d- uh, I have two knives! We can make out in the back, whatever. <laughs> Alright, well, why don't you come with me? And we're just gonna cut to the office of the constab- constabulary? Is that would that, that yes. sounds yes. right? Constabulary. Its acronym is a police station. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing constabulary. They don't do that in Talon. C O N. No, no, no. no. Uh, they don't do that in Talon. And he leads you into say modest stone building it's not as ornate as the military buildings and he leads you in an office and he closes the door and he begs you sit and he pours some drinks for you he gives margarine water oh (laughs) what's juno get juno gets whatever he's having which is a brown liquid of some kind he sits behind a desk and he says first of all this is the most anyone's ever given me my whole life was i've never received such Compassion. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, have you ever lost someone? He he goes over and he like grabs the glass with your hand and he lifts it to your mouth and he says, <laughs> "As I'm talking, yeah, like, as you're talking, <laughs> yeah, no, that's I mean that's a good idea. We should we should probably sober up. Maybe maybe we weren't on the same page. Uh, and he sits behind a desk and he says, "So tell me, uh, tell me exactly who you think I am." So, sir, I, we have a, a, a journal of a, of a wizard, and he considered you a good friend at the Society of the Three-Toed Griffin, and he journeyed here, and you, Yes, yes, he went to several cities and he mentioned a sword, yes. You took down some, some if you remember, uh, you made work of uh, some bandits, and you polymorphed them into squirrels at Ring-A-Bell? Do you have any other descriptions of who this Percival Stoworth might be from this journal you have? Do you want to do an investigation to see if this guy, like, who, if he is who he says he is? Because he should know by now. And I want to just do a perception check of what's in the room. Okay, that's insight, Juno, or Joel, actually, is what you're trying to check. And then, yes, um, uh, Beth, you can roll Do I still have disadvantage? Not anymore. You do not. Marjorie, you have disadvantage on everything still. For sure. Well... Well, it can't much, get much worse than three. As far as you can tell, he doesn't appear to be lying about anything. Okay, man, why don't you remember this? Oh, can I, can I figure out what's in the room oh, first? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Um, my passive is just 11. I didn't get higher than that. Okay, uh, you're looking around the room, and it's uh, pretty sparsely decorated, very utilitarian. Uh, you do notice that on one table there is a set, uh, there is a very ornate looking glass of some kind. It's a microscope and various slides of glass. Uh, and there's some beakers and a Bunsen burner looking thing, a candle. Can I go over to that while they're talking? Sure. I still have my water in my hands. You still have your water in your hands and you're a little bit unsteady. Mm. Why do you need a description? This is very suspicious, man. Well, this is this is my job. I am an investigator, and I'm very curious as to what you think, uh, why you think I am your 
Percival Stokeworth. So what, is there anything else in this journal you have that might help figure out who this man is that you're looking for? There are a lot of Percival Stokeworths in the world. Is there, is there a common you, name uh, here? You know, just humor me. Uh, Juno whispers to Marjorie. I'm not next to you. I know, I know, but he's going to go over conspicuously and like whisper in your ear like, I don't want to tell him too much, but I'm, I'm going to tell him a little bit. You have to take like three steps to do yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. know, that's just going to sound like birds tweeting in my ear. <laughs> I'm very drunk, Juno. And I, th- and I was using the rings of secrecy anyway, okay. so in case he heard. No, but he does make note of your rings. Okay, look, you are someone who was written about in a journal. You are a venerable soldier. We think you might have a clue for us for a journey we are on. We were given instructions to find something. We think you are important to finding it. Marjorie's going to gently put her water down on the table. Well, this is quite curious because it seems that you're looking for my grandfather. (gasps) Oh, I am Percival Stokeworth III. This happens all the time. Yeah, I guess that would make sense because time and... The guy who's the guy died a long time ago. Right. Okay, this makes your you makes more sense why you're being so cagey. Uh Well I I just thought we'd find the dude and then he'd tell us what to do. Well, we got we gotta work out more. Bruh. Twenty one <laughs> to take a swig of whatever I can grab off that table. Okay, you you do, and it was blood. <gasps> oh my god. And, and he, he, Stokeworth, like, goes to reach, like, sees what you're doing, starts to reach out, and then just, like, lets it happen. Do I drink all of it? You said a sip. You start with a sip, Gressel. Sure. <laughs> and then you commit. Okay. How much blood is it? Uh, it's like a small beaker. Oh, I drink the whole thing. Okay. It's like a couple glugs of blood, yes. Okay. Roll a constitution check. Cool. Why is this episode so gross? Yeah, what the fuck? I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> 19. Yeah, you're fine. You, you, you successfully drink the blood, and, and uh, there's a uh, Stokeworth kind of smirks a little bit, like, oh, okay. Are her lips just, like, red now? Yeah. Is there's, the- like, just a, yeah. <laughs> I do that, like, smear over my arms. So there's, like, a little bit of blood kind of everywhere. Yeah, yeah. like, on your arm, smeared on your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marjorie, are you okay? Uh, and I... Uh, <laughs> I'm making tweet noises because I, I'm just drunk. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. okay. Well, this is this is very curious uh, that you're mentioning mentioning this this man Belamore. Uh, excuse me for a moment. And he goes uh, over to a shelf in his office, and he searches for a book, and he pulls one, uh, and he flips through it, and he says, "Ah, yes, I, I I seem to remember this from my grandfather's journals. This was this uh, Belamore was a very good friend of his." A, a very close personal friend of his, and it's it's curious that you are now in, in possession of his journals and searching for something. Tell me a little bit about more about your quest. Juno's going to try and do one more insight check to see if he can trust this guy. Sure. 19. Yeah. Uh, he is completely truthful and open and very eager to hear more about your quest. Oh, it's... Uh... And you can look at the journal that he has open. You can tell that this is, as far as you can tell, the journals of the first Percival Stokeworth, the general from the thing. Uh, so if you choose to fill him in, we're going to cut back to the other group. Yes, I'll start to tell him, but I'll omit a few details. All right, and we'll learn what those details you omit are when we come back. So, F-Boys and Zabbis. James, Yo. did you get your coffee, whatever you needed? Yeah. Okay. What? Just, well, you came back, and I didn't know if I like brought you back quickly. Oh, no. Okay. So, F-Boys and Zabbis. Yo. You now have Marta the Ghost 
presumably in this bone staff. Yeah, I drew it. It's cool. I guess let's keep heading towards that uh, light yeah. that we saw go around <laughs> oh, that corner. Yeah. You uh, continue around the corner, and there's more catacombs. Uh, and then there's another T split that you can either go left or you can go right. You do not know because you got waylaid by Marta which way immediately you do not know which way they went. I will do an investigation roll or wait, who's the smartest of us all? Marta. Out of the people who can roll D20s, who's the smartest? <laughs> For I've got one to There's You can roll investigation. You can also roll perception because uh, you can try to, you know, like. I got seven perception. What? Seven. Plus seven. Plus seven. You have a plus. You're. Yeah, he's a tracker. He's a ranger. Wow. Yeah, d- dude, track. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I will track. <laughs> oh, yeah, You've I... got the bardic inspiration, too, if you need it. I mean, dirty 20. Yeah, okay, a dirty 20. Dope, you, dude. Uh, as I described before, there's a lot of dust in this catacombs, and the path to the right is still dusty, while the path to the mm. left looks as if the dust has been disturbed. What do you do? I want to ask Marta if she knows where they went. No, I was fighting you guys. Good I, I was, I was in the ethereal in-between space between life and death before you disturbed my slumber and then made my bones into a staff. Do you, uh, I'm sensing a little bit of judgment in that last sentence. I'm just stating facts. <laughs> do you know who, what, who goes down here? Do you, know when, do you see when people pass by? Because what are we walking into? No, here? she was in the ethereal, in the in ethereal in between space between mm-hmm. life and death. Uh, until I disturbed her bones. Remember, she just said that. I'm from. I'm long not the smartest. Ago. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's just go down the left path. Let's go down the left path. Are you guys still trying to be sneaky, or are you just trump tromping down as normal? We're not tromping down I nothing. Feel like we should. How long does Pass Without Trace last? One hour. Okay, so you're still... Yeah, all right. So you're still within this veil of shadows and silence. As you go down this uh, left hallway, you reconnect with the dim light that grows brighter and brighter as you get closer and closer to it. And finally, you approach a circular room where the torch is brightest and you see the four members of the party that you have been tracking, uh, Jerry and Sharon and their two dazed out companions. Uh, And you see that Jerry is holding aloft some sort of crystal while Sharon is holding the torch. And you hear that Jerry is saying something in the language that Zabus recognizes as the language that the dog spoke when you could not speak with the dog. The, the, the hellhound version yeah. of the dog. And he garbles something. Oh, shit. And then uh, there's <laughs> some crackles of light. It does. Kind of, that did kind of sound like Klingon. <laughs> Never going to be able to recreate that. (laughs) There's some crackles of light that come from this crystal. It's a very dark light. Weirdly, it's like black light. Your teeth glow. Then there's a orb of this light that appears from this crystal encasing the four um, people and then collapsing into the crystal. And then the crystal falls to the ground and they have disappeared. What do you do? Marta, where'd they go? Do you know? Far away. I assume. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You got jokes, Marta. I like you. Thank you. <laughs> go touch that. Go touch the crystal. Okay. I go touch the crystal. Uh-oh. Uh, roll a charisma save. Charisma? Yeah, you should. You, in theory, should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what it is. A 12. 
12. Oh, boy. <laughs> you... Wait, what's my luck? I have three luck things. You do have three luck things. What does that do? I'm sorry. Uh, you use a point and you can re-roll a roll. That's what I'm going to... It's inspiration? Basically. 19. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Briefly, you felt something creeping into your mind, but then you clutch your lucky pick and you felt okay. So now you're holding this crystal and it is, it is glowing. It feels a little warm. Hey, I briefly felt something entering my mind, but then I uh. clutched my lucky pick. Now I feel okay. I have this crystal and it feels a little warm. Do I, like, would I be able to remember what that guy said? Roll Arcana. Six. You don't feel confident that you could get it exactly right. Yeah, I don't want to even try and then say, like, something slightly off. Well, I think what we should do is all hold hands together and touch the crystal and then maybe we'll all get whisked away to yeah. wherever they went. Okay. Remember I mean, they scene? had to say stuff, though. That's hey, you I'm... know what, though? Okay, listen. I'm wearing a lab coat, uh-huh. which is plus one to my arcana, and I forgot I'm also, I also have goggles, which are plus two to my intelligence, which is also arcana. So I can currently rock a plus six on arcana rolls. I'm going to try to remember what they okay. said. Okay. Do we all hold hands first? Would that help at all? Yeah. Or yes. like, we should all touch the crystal. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we all touch the crystal, okay. and I'm like, I think they said I got an 18. You do your best approximation. Okay. To imitate <laughs> the uh, words that you heard. Okay. You don't know the meaning of them and you don't know the intent. Mm -hmm. However, there's a crackle from the crystal. <gasps> <laughs> you guys are so split up. There's a, there's a crackle from the crystal and it's, it starts to sputter, but then it does create the orb that you saw before. And you are encased in this black light. Now, anything that you have on your person that is white, so Zabbos's glove, any clothing, any items that, have, that you have that is white, glow like under a black light. Your teeth, some, is the, the, does the chicken hat that still exist? It does. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, because you made it out of gloves. All you can see are these glowing bits. So, like, it's, it's like you look at, like, Fletch, you look at Flack, and all you see are his teeth, teeth and, and the whites oh, of his eyes. Ah. And same with, same with, you know, looking at Zabbos. I'd a bunch rather of be cats. shiny. Marta the ghost is fully formed. Like, you, oh. see, like you see her as if she was, like, a flesh and blood person when she was alive as a soldier. And you see that she has the same black and white uniform that you guys saw before. However, uh, the technology of her armor is older. She is from long ago. So you're in this kind of weird uh, black lighty void for a moment, and then it collapses on itself. You hear a clap of like thunder, and then you are in a orchard at night. Hey everybody, Gressel here with a few quick announcements, and then we're going to get you right back to it. Thanks so much for listening to episode 51 of D&D and D. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at D&D and D Pod and D&D and D Pod on Instagram, or email us at D&D and D Pod at gmail.com. A little bit of a shorter episode this week, sorry about that, but we're just finishing up the recording session from when we had the breakfast casserole, uh, and we will get into a new thing next week, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what that is. It is going to be something a little bit special, and I will explain it at the end of this episode. So stay tuned at the end of the episode for a special announcement about the next few um, episodes. So if you follow us on Twitter, you noticed that earlier today I tweeted out that I would be answering a few of your questions uh, to kind of make up for the fact that we're a little bit short uh, on the story content this week. So uh, here are some questions and my answers. 
Perfect Nomad asks, ever thought about bringing the crew to medieval times? Uh, we've talked about it pretty much since I moved to Los Angeles, uh, but I have actually never been to a medieval times, even though I've wanted to since I learned what it was. Uh, we've just never been able to make uh, the scheduling work because uh, I think the closest one to us is a little bit of a drive, but uh, I'm not sure. Taylor Finnery asks, as someone who is starting to play D&D for the first time with a bunch of friends who have also not played before, how do you decide which class and races to play? There are too many awesome choices. I just want to hashtag do what's fun. Uh, well, that would be my best piece of advice would be to definitely do what's fun. Um, but it can definitely feel like there is a gluttony of options, uh, especially with all of the extra materials beyond just the player's handbook. If you're on like D&D Beyond or if you're just on the Internet, but just follow your first instinct, whatever jumps out to you as being like, oh, I think this would be fun to play. Just go with it and make a choice uh, and see how it is. Uh, if you enjoy the game, you'll play a bunch of different characters. Uh, I remember my first character was a dwarven fighter, like a very, very basic, almost stock D&D character. Uh, and it wasn't really that exciting of a character on paper, but I was drawn to it. Uh, and I played it anyway and ended up having a really fun time. And now I've played a bunch of different characters. Still never played a monk. Uh, never played a monk. Uh, you know, if you like the game, you'll get an opportunity to play all kinds of things. If you DM, you can kind of do everything. Uh, so just kind of go with your first instinct and, and see, see how it goes and definitely do what's fun. At John Tyler Osborne asked, do you have any major regrets in terms of story building or allowing the characters to engage in a particular action or activity? Uh, definitely no regrets about the characters doing anything. Uh, it's, it's their story and the decisions that may, they make drives that story. Um, so whatever they do is, is what they do. And that is what makes this kind of magical. Karina asked, do you intentionally include opportunities for side quests that you know the party members will take, or are they randomly sprinkled throughout? Love the podcast. Favorite part of my, every Wednesday. Thank you, Karina. Uh, yes, I intentionally include opportunities for the side quests. Um, I want to make sure that things don't feel too railroaded, even though we are making a show and there is this bigger story. Uh, I want the players to be in control of the game as much as they can be. So I will definitely make an effort to give them different adventure hooks and different stories uh, that they can pursue, uh, even though eventually it's my job to get those to tie back into the bigger picture thing that we're telling. But also, uh, it's up to me to respond to every decision that they make. And sometimes that leads to a wild tangent that nobody expected like Gerbert Mertbert. Robert asks, can we still send in ideas for magic items or wild magic effects? Yes, email us at dndndpod at gmail.com. Uh, Ripley492 asks, as DM, have you added any Easter eggs or references from your favorite fandoms that may have been overlooked? And if so, what were they? Also, I adore the podcast. You guys are truly some very fun people. Thank you, Ripley. Uh, yeah, there's some Easter eggs to some fandoms that I enjoy. Um, most obviously, uh, my wife and I got into Outlander uh, when I was writing the stuff for the end of season one. So the standing stones and portals, that's all very informed by Outlander. The puzzle episode when they went and discovered the journals in the uh, wizard's cottage, we happened to record right when I started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, but I wrote that mostly before I started playing that game, which has a lot of puzzles and stuff in it. Uh, but playing that game made me go back and revise and and 
uh, definitely improved um, my puzzles. So those are the two most obvious ones. Way asks, if you were to change one thing about the campaign as a whole, what would it be? I would have had a mechanic to tie the food into the story much, much sooner. Uh, ideally, when we started the show. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just really wanted to tell the story and get going. So I kind of let that one slip through the cracks. And that bothers me still to this day that I didn't crack the code on that one sooner. Uh, Mio March or Mijo March uh, asked, do the players use figures or is everything more orally based? Do you use visual aids that us listeners don't end up seeing? No, uh, we do not use any kind of visual aids or figures or maps or anything. Everything is theater of the mind and just, you know, notes on paper and stuff. The only like prompts, I guess, that the team has seen that you guys have not uh, we've read aloud, um, and I think that Joel posted the guest list on Instagram. The the you know the actual uh, words that I wrote. Time Striker asks, as a player wanting to DM in the future, do you have any advice on how to prepare yourself for such a role aside from playing slash experience? Uh, do your research. Definitely do your research. Um, make sure that you are well prepared. Uh, but most importantly, listen to your players. Uh, make sure that. You are responding to the type of game that they want to play, uh, not necessarily the type of game that you want to run. Uh, sometimes those can be different, and the goal is to make sure that everybody at the table is having a good time. Uh, so listen to your players and uh, and do what's fun. You know, just just have fun. Most importantly, this is a game. Have fun. Uh, Liz Zarb asks, who is Gressel's favorite of the core five? I love them all isn't an acceptable answer. You got to choose. No, I don't. I'm not going to choose. I love them all is a perfectly acceptable answer because they're all fantastic in so many different ways. Not OFWexH asks, what happened to the feather beard? Zabbis sneezed off mic. So thanks to everybody who submitted questions. If I didn't get to yours, I apologize. Eventually we'll do another D and D and D and D. I think that's four. Uh, episode where we'll have the whole team together to answer questions. But until then, uh, thanks everybody. Do what's fun and stay tuned for a special announcement after the episode. We're going to go back to the other guys. So Juno's finished explaining what he has connected the dots on that they are on a mission to find something. He's not said what, but that but Jumbo Namzerid wrote them wrote, wrote a ballad that's helping them decipher what Plintherin Belamore was trying to tell them through his journals, and it's led them here. And they think we think that we need to go to the gentlemen's club, and that Percival Stokeworth could help. You know, you left out so much. You left out so much. You didn't even mention Jason. You didn't even. You didn't. He turned into. I'm turning to Percival. <laughs> he turned into a monster, and I had to. I had to. They wanted me to fight him. I couldn't fight him. How could I fight him? Yeah, I, I left out the things that I didn't think were important. They killed my dog. I'm sorry they did that. Did you tell? <laughs> did you tell him about the uh, order of Galadoy? Yes. Okay. That did, we were sent there on behalf of them, but just not about. We, I wasn't specific that we were looking for a person. You did not tell him that you're searching for a person. You, Correct. You, you said you're searching for something. Yeah. Did, did, yeah. did not talk about the heir of Earthadar or Hank. Percival asked to see the guest list. Yeah, you can take a look at 
Juno's copy his program that he got. Okay. Uh, he also asks to see. Uh, may I also see these the journals? Uh, yes. You here? You can take a look side by side. And I just want to. What I mean, this might be a big request. I think we need to get to the gentlemen's club. But what might be a bigger ask? It says here in the guest list: the soldier he took up his knife. The piper played upon his pipe. Now I think that's Majumbo. The lady introduced her wife, and the places were revealed. I'm not exactly sure what it all means, but I think it means since the lady and the wife is a is a mountain in Hosk, that we need the knife, the soldier's knife, General Stokeworth's shiny sword that you have now. That us taking that to this mountain in Hosk will help us reveal where we need to go. That's very astute. <laughs> oh, thank thank you. I. You know what they say about a stew that makes you an ass out of, out of me and toot. I'm still, I'm, I'm piecing together stuff so I sound smart, but I'm still a little drunk. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, quite, quite. He just is looking at the guest list and the journals very intently and totally ignoring you like m- moments pass. Judo, why didn't you tell about Hank? He, without looking up from the uh, the materials, uh, he uh, Percival raises an eyebrow. Well, I don't want to, you know, your you ex boyfriends aren't important, Marjorie. Use the communication, the rigs of secrecy. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, without paying attention to you guys, uh, Stokeworth goes over to his bookshelf and pulls another book and flips through it. I thought I was using the rigs of secrecy. No, uh, I just don't want to talk about, you know, any Hank? of your lo- loves. Yeah, I mean, I... I, didn't lo- I don't even know him. He's a child. You're right. Uh, I was thinking of a different boyfriend. Let's... I haven't told you about all the boyfriends I've had. Well, you don't know about all my boyfriends. Well, why don't you tell me about your boyfriends, Judo? <laughs> well, fine. There was there was one. We were, sort of a, we were soldiers together. It was a friends with benefits situation. I met my wife after that. So I didn't have... Well, I had one boyfriend. Oh. And you think I only had one boyfriend? No, I think you had a bunch of boyfriends. How dare you? And I pushed Juno. <laughs> <laughs> Roll, roll, roll a, an attack roll. Uh, disadvantage. <laughs> Eight. Wait, strength? Yeah. Twelve. <laughs> okay, with a twelve, Juno, you're, yeah, you're pushed back a little bit. Uh, make an uh, athletics check to see if you can steady yourself or trip over something. I'm rolling disadvantage on all of these, by the way. <laughs> Dirty 20. Okay, yeah, so you steady yourself, but you're pushed, though. Meanwhile, uh, Stokeworth is looking through several books, and he's putting them on his desk. He is letting you guys do your thing. <laughs> oh, is that, is that, is that what you, you, oh, you like a bad boy like Jason? You like to push him around? Oh, I, I don't want to like a bad boy. <sighs> why do I like bad boys? Uh, I don't know. Uh, they always I, die uh, or leave uh, you or didn't like you. Either. They didn't like you. Well, Oh, Jason seemed to like you. I know, that's why oh, this no. is so hard. <laughs> Judo, I'm sorry, I'm doing it, this is bad no, to it's do okay. to you. No, no we, don't, we don't, Marjorie, we, you're we don't need starting to get, to get now. a hangover. Oh no. <laughs> you know, it's that thing where you've been awake long enough, where now you're, you're not oh, no. hammered anymore, but you're starting to get a hangover. That's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wait, okay. Judo. <sighs> What are we doing? 
we're here. We're talking to Percival Stokeworth. Oh. Hey, you know, I, I sometimes... Uh, well, I made up a fake name once, Percival, and I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm Percival," but I did. I it's from your grandfather. I didn't realize I was just getting it from the diaries. Isn't that funny? You see, Stokeworth now has, without you guys noticing, lit a pipe that he is smoking, and he just goes, "Yeah, it's quiet," uh, and he's smoking the pipe and looking at books. Dude, he's so cool. He's stoking that pipe. He is stoking for, the pipe for all it's worth. <laughs> for all it is worth. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. Dude. I mean. Did, you, you just think everyone's... Oh, the cool people are you cool. You know what? He had the opportunity to chop my arm right off when I tried to take that coin. He didn't do it. And that's pretty cool in my yeah, book. Yeah, what a decent guy. What a decent guy. Can't love him, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> well, you know, I what I really want to do is... What my feelings say is I want to argue for, for my worth as a romantic companion, but I don't think that's what you need right now. Is that right what now. you want, Juno? Do you want me to be your girlfriend? I mean, I thought I did, but I, I'm just, I just want to help you as a friend right now. Like, you know, you, you've got me as a friend. I'm, I'm not going to leave. You're not going to lose me like you lose people and dogs. Wow. If I was a little more drunk, I'd push you again. Oh. <clears throat> I appreciate that. And I, I think, Juno, I owe you an apology. I've kind of been taking advantage of, of your goodwill up until this point. And, like, I don't want it to escalate to a point where, like, we start kissing. That would be, that would be too far. Okay. And so I want to draw a line into the sand to say that maybe until, until I can be a better person here, I don't know that I can give you anything more than friendship. I mean, you, you know what? It's, it's... So we can, we can never kiss. Oh, it was a good kiss. What do you mean it was a good kiss? Wait, come on, don't don't tell me I'm I'm gonna have to remember this. And I, oh no! Uh, and at that moment, Stokeworth walks over to the table where Marjorie left her water, retrieves the glass, gives it back to Marjorie. <laughs> uh, and Is then Gino again, gonna have the same thing. Is he gonna forget shit too? What? 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 I, I thought you. Were... Yeah, I blacked out, you know? This is not good. <laughs> you don't have to black out. Do what's fun. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He won't have blacked out. No, no. Juno was and, nearly and he didn't enough. drink as much. Yeah, yeah, nearly drunk enough. But Marjan drank a lot of very strong alcohol. Oh, Marjan. For okay. a small creature. I, I gotta be honest. We we made out at the bar. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not... I, I mean, I'm doing this partially for me. I'm not holding that secret. I, I'm sorry that we were both drunk. Juno, it's okay. I don't... Now I understand that you like me. You don't have to lie to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, it's never been a parent before now. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, what did you just say? I I've said, never been a parent until now? No, I've been a parent. It, it's, it's never been a parent that I like you before now. I see. Because it was. So Stokeworth sits back behind his desk after giving Marjorie the water back, and he says, yes, I think I've, I, I believe that I have connected a few dots, and I would like to make a proposition to you folks who you seem to be adventurer types of of some kind off on a grand quest. I'd like to settle down eventually, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yes, yes, work does get in the way, doesn't it? Mm. <clears throat> I uh, guess it does. So, I am the constable of this city of Ravenscrest, and in two days' time, the members of the military here are having a vote on whether or not to commit the troops of the region to the greater Talon Peninsula war effort. Uh, 
Judo, are you taking note of this? Because my head is pounding. Yeah, I, I haven't. I'm. I'm not in hangover yet. I'm. It's. It's kind of making sense with what we know. Right. It is ultimately up to the countess of the city, Lydia Blackthorne, to commit her troops to the greater cause of the empire. But every soldier gets a vote in whether or not to to go. And it is very strongly suggested that the count or countess must take these votes into account when making their decision. <laughs> Currently, uh, it has been quite some time since, uh, since the empire has gone to war. And frankly, the troops are just not up for it. And many, I believe, would go to their deaths if the vote was for war. Yeah, they, they, they looked pretty lackluster. I mean, some of them were cute, but like, you don't want those boys in war. They, <laughs> they couldn't handle what's coming to them. Certainly not. Uh, there are uh, pretty much two factions right now. Uh, one led by my good friend, uh, the Colonel uh, Edwin Beauchamp. Uh, and he believes that we should delay. The troops are not ready. There is no need to go to war right now. The Empire is just fine. Now, unfortunately, there is another powerful noblewoman uh, named Lady Morgan Bombatton, and she is pro-war. Uh. And she has in her camp a very charismatic and influential captain named John Meldare. I, the other day, was contacted by Colonel Beauchamp, and he implied that he is being blackmailed. And I suspect that uh, Captain Meldare and Lady Bombatton might be behind this blackmail. The blackmailer is trying to get uh, the colonel to change his position, to vote for war. So I have two days in order to figure out who is blackmailing and oh why. Oh my god, this, this sucks. It's not great, and a lot of lives hang in the balance. Well, and if, yeah. if you adventurers, after a sleep, I would imagine, help me, then I believe that I can aid you in your quest. What oh, say you? Hey. Yeah, I'm starting to feel it too. Did we leave Pete? Where's Pete? Where's, oh, we had a cat. Yep, Pete's been here the whole time. Oh, oh thank God. Oh, hey, Pete. Oh, good boy, good boy. Now uh, you notice that Stokeworth had given him a saucer of milk and he's very well taken care of. Wait, you got milk? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Give me, that's what I need right now. Give me, please. Milk, uh, please. I, I just had the saucer. I mean, I'm not a big dairy guy. Where'd you, where'd you get it from? The saucer? Yeah. It came. You poured it in. Where, where'd it you go? It was all from? the amount he had. Yeah. Oh, all the milk he had just is a little in the bit saucer. For, a little bit left from my morning coffee on the floor. Apologize. Pete just looks at you and just like. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, Pete stares you <laughs> yeah. down as he laps yeah. up the milk. <laughs> Boys, is it all gone, Pete? Because I'm gonna get some of that fucking milk. Juno gets down and laps up some of the milk. Okay. So oh, forth so is weird. thinking That's that he like might so regret weird. this. Uh, <laughs> this is a very normal. This is a very normal thing, Mister Stokeworth, and where I come from. Okay, I'm going to leave you guys to sleep this one off. And he goes over to his bookshelf and he pulls a lever and a cover slides over the books. And then this folds down into like a Murphy bed. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. A lot uh, of late nights here, Percival. Yes, I'm a bit of a workaholic. Whoa. Uh, uh, can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, are you saying if we help you, you'll help us? With I maybe believe the sword. that I can aid you on your quest. Okay. We have like 18 things to do. Yeah, but now we're sleeping on a Dewey Decibel bed. I so, guess so. so. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so he leaves you, and we are going to cut back to the other three. So you guys, it's nighttime. You're in an orchard of trees that seem very familiar to you. 
Uh, can I roll perception to see how, if I recognize it? Yep. 13. They look like the tree that you saw in Zement Breverisk's mansion and the tree that you came across in the woods. They are smaller versions of these trees. But it's a bunch of them? Yeah, it's probably 10, 20. Is the crystal still with us? No, no crystal. We're just... Oh. oh. <laughs> we just TP'd. I didn't think about that. Like uh, how we get back. Yeah. Oh. Oh, no. I just picture, like, the camera, like, pulling back into yeah. the sky and we're just like where are it's we just trees forever just trees <laughs> in the distance you see a building uh the outline of a building it looks like a large uh manor house of some kind can we buy it <laughs> <laughs> there is no for sale sign that you can perceive in the dark uh because you guys have in dark the dark there might be one because you guys have dark vision you find the silhouette of this building vaguely familiar can i roll to see if i recognize yep. <laughs> No. Uh, I'll try. Wasn't your perception super high, <laughs> Mike? Oh. 14. You believe to be on the opposite side of Kestrel Manor. Is that our home? No. This was where you <laughs> met Rupert the butler oh, and, and were the... chased by oh. dogs. Oh. Just don't, kill, just don't kill more dogs. There are no dogs currently. Oh. I mean, I'm not there, so we, you can do whatever you want. We can't take it. Well, you know, I do have that bone in case we run into him. Yeah, can we? Do you? Or is it I in the made staff? it all into a stab. I figured you took other. You took the femur. I I, took I think her you need the bones. femur for a staff. Yeah. Okay, all right, that's fine. Well, should we go up to this house and have like Marta go in there and like spook him? <laughs> you oh. really want to utilize Marta? <laughs> yeah, she's great. She is pretty great. I don't know. We might as well just go up there. Do you think? Uh, uh, wait. What's the butler's name? Rupert. Rupert. He didn't really like us, did he? No, he didn't. definitely not. He sicked his dogs on us, man. That's right. He hated us. I guess let's head over there, though. Slowly. Oh, but I wonder if Rupert's been growing these evil trees? I mean, he's not a good guy, so maybe. I mean, that's what it seems like. I bet this is like a nursery for trees, you know? And then he... Like, the ones we've seen in other places are ones that they either bought or, like, were given... Did hmm. Jason Chone say he, like, transported a tree? A root. A root? Oh. To the, to our mansion, what's presently mm. our mansion. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if he got it from here. From here? What if we set one of the trees on fire and then Rupert gets all like, oh my gosh, I gotta go put the fire out. When he goes to put the fire oh, out, we, we sneak, sneak in. in. Yeah! Okay. Okay. Who who has, has fire? fire. Uh, <laughs> Fireball? <I do. laughs> okay. Let's back away to a safe yeah. distance. <laughs> 50 feet away? Let's go like kind of close-ish to the, the mansion, and then I'll turn away, and then I'll cast Fireball. Even though, as far as you guys know, oh. time passed during your teleport. Pass without a trace is still in place. Okay. Oh, cool. Because it's been less than an hour for you guys. Mm-hmm. Cool. But when you left the city, it was not nighttime. Okay. Makes Fair. sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like an alien Relativity abduction. thing. Yeah. Oh, you like know, you lost here. some time. Got it. If you had a watch, your watch would still say the same time. The same time. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm thinking, yeah, cast fireball on a tree. Like, not a frontmost tree. Yeah, like no. Like, it'd be one farther away. Yeah, catch yeah. more yeah, yeah. on fire, you know, from the, you know. Yeah. It'll be chain like a reaction. bunch. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it'll be kind of to the back, so he has to run far. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. All right, I, I do that. All right, so you guys uh, creep up toward the main house, 
and hide behind a hedge or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely taking cover. Yeah, okay. So you oh, wait, guys... Oh, that's Fireball, right? Yep. So Zabbis has to roll... I want this one to hit so badly. Me too. No. You successfully shoot a fireball into the orchard where it explodes uh, into a ball of fire and catches some of the trees aflame. Yes. Uh, and you watch as a back door, uh, like a terrace entrance, opens and Rupert, the butler, holding aloft a lantern, is freaking out. And he runs forward and he says, quick, help, you you two idiots, get something to deal with this. And you see Jerry and Sharon, Ooh. like, stumble out. One of them is trying to hold a bucket, but it's sloshing water out. And it's like, well, I don't know what to do. What is Sharon, get something, get something Sharon. to fix. It's, I don't know what to fix it with, Jerry. <laughs> I'm not made of water. There's nothing I can do. Actually, you are made of water. I don't say that a lot. <laughs> you just mumble it under yeah, your breath. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Sharon. <laughs> oh, you're so useless, Sharon. And they, like, try to deal with this. The three of them run out into the, into the orchard, and the door to the main house is open. Let's go! Yep, that's our entrance. We sneak into the house. Executive produced, written, and edited by me, James Gressel. Co-produced and additional mixing by Joel Arnold. Our original music is by Jeremy Nisato. Hear more of Jeremy's music at jeremynisato.com. D&D&D is performed by James A. Janice, Chelsea Rebecca, Beth Radloff, Mike Saigan, and Joel Arnold. Next time on D&D&D. Hey everybody, Gressel back to tell you about a very special thing we're going to try for the next few episodes. So the team, you'll have noticed by now, is incredibly split up. Uh, more so than they ever have been before, because Zabbis, Fletch, and Flack are off in a completely different locale than Juno and Margarine, we decided, with the added uh, pressure of some scheduling conflicts in real life, uh, to record these different storylines totally separate. So, uh, I have recorded Joel and Beth playing the Juno and Margarine part of the story, and that will be released next week. You will get just Juno and Margarine next week, and then we will be recording uh, James, Chelsea, and Mike, totally separate, uh, coming up soon uh, with their side of the story. So the players will not know what the other storyline knows or doesn't know about the greater uh, mysteries going on in Ravenscrest and the greater quest of, you know, the journals and everything they're doing with the big picture stuff as well. Uh, and hopefully we're going to add a little bit of mystery and intrigue into um, where things are going. Uh, we left both teams off in different uh, precarious situations. You know, we're going to try to do something fun with uh, this, this interesting scenario that the team has put themselves in. Uh, so I know normally I would play a clip from uh, the next recording, but I'm just going to leave you with with uh, this little tease. Flashcards. Thanks, everybody. Do what's fun. <laughs>